This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave and I have made some good friends through our two years of podcasting as Two Guys in a River. A couple of them are fly fishing guides. They're terrific people to know, and today we have one of them on our podcast, and that's Glenn Zarboni. He lives and guides in an area of the country where my grandfather used to hunt and fish, the Adirondack Mountains of New York State. We're going to talk to Glenn today about his background, and we're going to pick his brain for some expertise on nymphing. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Glenn. Hi, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing well. You know, my, my memory of the Adirondacks is singular. It was when I got married, we visited, actually, my honeymoon, we were at St. George Lake. Oh, yep, yep. So, so I didn't do a lot of fly fishing that uh, week, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it you're still married then. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's the key to a good marriage. Do not yeah, fly yep. fish on your honeymoon. Do not bring yeah. the fly rod. <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. That's funny. So, Glenn, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself, uh, where you live, your family, how you got your start as a fly fisher, and then as a guide. Hey, and by the way, did I pronounce your last name right, Zarboni? Yes, you did. Oh, good. I'm, I'm relieved. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the uh, ice cleaning machine. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably why I did that. Yeah, the, the Zamboni machine, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Glenn Zarboni. I'm 47 years old. I live in uh, Malone, New York. I'm married. I have three boys, 21, 18, and 14. They're all fishermen, and uh, I just I love guiding. I have a passion for fishing. I've been fishing since I'm seven years old. That's great. Uh, that's I, great. So yeah, I, I picked up. I picked up fly fishing about 10 years ago, and I haven't looked back. It says on your website that you are bilingual, so why don't you give us some French? Speak to us in French. Je suis un très bon pêcheur. <laughs> uh, I don't know if your listeners are going to understand any of this. I but, think you were uh, criticizing yeah, Steve no, and his fly fishing what, what skills. Did, what did you call Dave? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to look up Google Translation. <laughs> All right, so Glenn, let's begin with a recent great day on the river with a client. Why don't you describe some recent great day, where you were fishing, what you caught, and what made it a great day? I work with trouble teens up in our area in Malone. And um, so last week I had a 14-year-old boy that came out. And uh, it was an awesome day. Uh, he'd never been fly fishing before. He'd been regular fishing, but fly fishing he had never tried. So we set them all up. Just seeing him get out into the water was a new experience. So helping him wade, uh, teaching him where the fish would be and reading the water and stuff was just amazing. He was a sponge. Wow. And I, I wasn't sure what I was getting into with a troubled teen, but... He was a sponge. He didn't give me any attitude, and he was willing to learn. And, it, you know, it took about two hours. You could see that he was starting to get frustrated. And then he finally hooked into a nice 15-inch brown trout. And uh -huh. uh, we took a couple of shots with it, and then he just he couldn't get enough. He wanted more and more and more. So I've been out with him two more times since then. Oh, wow. that's great. Hey, what was, your, uh, what was your impetus to start fly fishing? I, I think that's cool. I think sometimes we have listeners who... 
uh, maybe think, man, if, if I didn't learn when I was a kid or if I didn't learn when I was in my early 20s, it, it's, you know, that ship has sailed. But, I mean, if you're 47, must have been, what, your, your mid-late 30s. So. Yeah, I was about 36, 37. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Montreal, Quebec. When I came to the Adirondacks, I saw a whole bunch of people fly fishing. So I said, wow, I got to try that. So I went in, I did an Orvis uh, Fly Fishing 101 class. And uh, that was it. I just, I couldn't get enough. Wow. I hear you guys on your past podcast talk about natural athletes. Well, I'm one of them. Huh. So it yeah, wasn't sure very you are, Glenn. <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't very hard for to pick it up. And it's just been a passion of mine ever since. I tie huh. flies. I tie, I tie probably 6,000 flies a year. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Wow. I just I can't get enough of it. I'm I'm tying leaders, I'm tying flies, or I'm out uh, fishing, or I'm out teaching fishing. Wow. So what does it take to be a good fly fishing guide? If if any of our listeners are thinking about pursuing this, or yeah, maybe they're going to hire somebody. What what would you tell them? What what are the what does it take to be good as a guide? Well, um, well, I don't think you have to be a great angler to be a guide. You just have to be a people person, and you have to know how to read people. Hmm. That's counterintuitive. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's just reading people's body language, knowing when to talk, knowing when not to talk. And uh, if anybody's interested in becoming a guide, there's a lot of behind the scenes work. It's not just going out and, hey, how are you? When you do your four hours, your eight hour guide trip, there's a lot of preparation. Uh, um, you want to check out the water flows, the, you know, what happened the night before. Uh, you got to get all your flies and your equipment ready. Um, then you're editing all kinds of pictures when the trip is done. So it's it's a it's a lot of work. Uh, an eight-hour guide trip is usually about 15 hours of work. Wow, that's interesting. Oh my interesting. goodness! Huh. Oh my goodness! Yep. So so Glenn, anytime you would take Steve on a trip, he's always trouble breaking rods. <laughs> you know, he's just crying. He's just he's just hard to be with. So, but seriously, what would tell us like a fun or crazy story about a client that you had, you know, without giving away names or, I mean, you've got to have some really good stories. Yeah, actually at the beginning of the season in June, we had an elderly guy. Uh, he was about 77 years old. He had a, a roll of tippet in his vest pocket. And for some reason, the roll of tippet got loose. So he had about 100 yards of this tippet, and he's holding on to the spool, and it hooked up to another spool. So here I am. He wanted that spool back. So here I got my hand on the, on the tippet, and I'm walking through the river trying to find the other end of the spool. So it was – and I, I told him twice. I said, look, I'll even give you another brand-new roll of tippet. And he's like, no, no, no. And he was just frugal. He did not yeah. want to lose that spool of tippet oh that's hilarious man yeah that that reminds me of my dad so much i mean my dad would save you know to save five cents he would lose ten dollars right i mean that (laughs) wow so glenn if you were uh if you could give some advice to those who hire a guide maybe they haven't fished with a guide before what what are some things that you would yeah you would tell a new client that they need to do to make the experience positive? Well, I think the number one thing is be honest with your guide. Let them know your ability. A lot of people, I think, think they're better than they actually are. Yeah, Dave does. As a guide, I mean, <laughs> I'm... 
as a guide, I just I want to make the experience the best experience that you have. Yeah. One of my mentors guiding told me a long time ago that when you get into this business, clients will never remember uh, the food that you gave them. They won't remember uh, some of the fish that you've even put them on. Only they, the only thing that they will remember is the time that you gave them. Hmm. So if you make them feel good, and for me to make you feel good, I have to know your ability, where to take you, because I'm setting up mm-hmm. for certain stuff, you know, and if you yeah. can't wait in the water that I'm taking you to, it's going to be a rough day. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of like the three to five core values that you have as a guide that you want to make sure you create or the experience that you create for your clients? For me, I think it depends on the ability of the angler. So if you're new to fly fishing, I want to make sure that you have a passion to come back. So it's making sure that you enjoy the experience, your time on the water, making sure that you want to continue fly fishing. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not all about catching the fish. It's about enjoying your time on the water, yeah. knowing what's what's around you. So I like to give a little description of the area that we're fishing in. Um, it's all the flora and fauna, and it's not just about catching fish. Yeah, you know? that's great. So yeah, enjoying but... nature, being uh, conservation, making sure that it's always catch and release, mm-hmm. and you know we're respecting the fish that we're catching. So just to change the topic here, thinking now a little bit about nymphing we know that that's one of your specialties what advice would you uh, give us about setting up our nymphing rigs what what do we need to pay attention to the depth of the water is number one because you want to be ticking bottom yeah um second of all you want to fool around with your weight a lot of guys they'll go out and they do not like changing uh tippets they don't like tying knots they don't want to add or subtract all your weight Mm -hmm. so what I've started doing is Team USA came to my area last year, and I got into the Euro nymphing. Huh, so huh. Now, instead of using split shot, all my weights built into the fly. Wow. So, so I talk have, about I have that. Different colored, talk about yeah, that a I have little di- bit. Okay. Well, I have different colored uh, flies, different, same sizes, but they're different colors, so I know how much weight that I've tied them into. So I know uh, orange ones are wrapped with uh, 110 wire. Um, the blue ones are, ta- you know, they're all tied with uh, 030. So hmm. it's a long, long leader, about 25 foot leader. There's a instead of having um, uh, what do you call a strike indicator? Yeah. I use a bicolored strike indicator material. So that's yeah. all tied into the leader. So nothing is splashing on the water. Mm-hmm. And then it's tied to a tippet ring. And then a cor- you know, I adjust to whatever the water depth is, is how much fluorocarbon I'll put on. And most of the time it's a two rig fly. So, you know, I like a Prince Adam with a Frenchie. And that's my go-to flies when I'm nymphing. And biggest thing is you're gonna cast upstream about 45 degrees. And I leave my my rod in that position for about two, three seconds so that my flies can catch up. And then I slowly, with the flow of the water, is how I go along high sticking. Okay. So talk a little and bit it, about, it, I'm sorry, so just to back up, so you have, when you say a two, I don't know, what, what did you say, a two, two element? Yeah, a tandem, tandem ring, yep. So you have a, first you have a 25 foot leader, correct? Yep. With a tippet ring. And then you have the actual tippet, which you call fluorocarbon, which is just the type of, uh, which is the type of tippet. So, so when you talk about the color that you 
is it is it a thread that you is it talk about the the actual strike indicator you mentioned that you oh, don't have yeah well the strike indicator what i do is i have um it's a 25 foot leader i tie a blood knot to a high vis cider which is usually amnesia and it's green and then what i do is i tie in it's a bicolored cider material it's usually orange or white orange and green and then to that i tie my tippet so where do you purchase these leaders are they is there, um, a, sp is there a specific name for these leaders the euro leaders yeah you can buy them at a tactical fly fisher they specialize in euro nymphing it's a 20 it's and if you wanted to tie your own you can get them at Cortland uh on amazon it's maxima chameleon 20 pound butt section and then you can buy the Cortland multicolored cider material. From there, you tie your fluorocarbon to the tippet ring and go at it. <laughs> so I guess, so how does it work with the strike indicator? Obviously, the strike indicator is sitting um, on top of the surface. I mean, how are you, how is it different when you watch, watching your, your line as it drifts down? How, how, do, how does it appear differently? Well, it. When you have a, a thingamabobber as your strike indicator, you got to wait for that to go under the water. And it, it bounces with the riffles in the water, so it's really hard to detect a strike. So yeah. if you have this cider, you keep it. It's, a, it's called like a tight line nymphing. So your line is really tight. Once you see your cider move an inch, not even an inch, a millimeter, mm -hmm. that's time to set the hook. And with all kinds of nymphing, my, I highly recommend that when you think you have something, just pull it up anyway. Because a lot of fish, a lot of trout, that's subtle. A lot of people get all kinds of strikes. They don't even know what's happening. Yeah, we've run into that before. Last year, yeah, Dave was pointing out to me, we were fishing in Yellowstone National Park and fishing the fall run for browns. And, and uh, you know, we, we were catching several, but Dave kept saying, I think you're missing some strikes. And I said, no, just a little bounce from the current. So just to satisfy Dave, the next time it happened, <laughs> I set the hook and boom, I had a fish. So that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's, uh, that's guide advice right there. Yeah, for sure. So I think I'm going to go into it. Um, so, <laughs> so Glenn, so as we wrap up here, where can our listeners find you online and on the, on the social platforms? You know, what's your Twitter handle, Instagram? website why don't you give us that information yeah well my website is uh com. on facebook i have my own page it's uh hook'em solid guide service twitter and uh instagram it's g zarboni but it's under hook'em solid i mean i respond to everybody right away i mean give me a call if you want to experience the adirondacks we have a, a diamond in the rough i fish on the salmon river in malone and it can't be beat so where would you fly into if you wanted to fish the Adirondacks? Um, the closest place would be Plattsburgh, New York, and you're about an hour away. What is that again? It's Plattsburgh, New Plattsburgh. York. Plattsburgh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Steve and I would sure love to uh, fish with you someday. I, Steve and I always go to the west. You know, here in Chicago, as we've mentioned a thousand times, we fish the Driftless, but... You know, our second place is Montana, and our third is probably Colorado, but I would really love to fish uh, your area someday, so we're putting it on our bucket list. Yeah, we really are. We'll, we'll do it. We'll be in touch. Well, that sounds good. I'll probably come up and visit you guys one day because my son, my oldest son, Anthony, just moved to uh, Calgary, Alberta. 
Oh, really? And, nice. Yeah, so there, he's just above Montana. Is he going to college in there? Nope. Following a woman. And, uh, <laughs> that's how life works, yeah. isn't it? That's, that's that a is. topic for another day. Yes, yeah. that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, he, he's an electrician, and he does a lot of fishing as well. Nice. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Recently, uh, a listener named Gary, who, get this, fly fished in the Adirondacks on Lake George, uh, shared this quote with us. He said, The charm of fishing is that it is the pursuit of what is elusive but attainable, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. I like that. What's elusive but attainable? Yeah, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. And I forget the source of the quote. He actually mentioned the name. I didn't recognize it. But, yeah, that, that's what it is, isn't it? You know, <laughs> every time you go out, there's a lot of hope. You're going after these elusive trout. But it's attainable, at least some days. Well, hey, that's going to do it for today. Please tell us about a fly fishing guide who is particularly helpful to you. Uh, what did you learn from him or learn from her? Uh, please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What have you learned from the fly fishing guides you've used over the years? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. And, of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish one new episode and post one new article each week on our site. And, of course, we'd love for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short catch more fish. Well, thanks again for listening. Thanks again, Glenn, for joining us. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing.